This is the Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show is presented by State Farm. Because like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today is Friday, November 26th. I'm Robert Mays. Fun show for you guys today. Shokapadia is going to be joining us a little bit later to do our weekly pick segment. Before we do that, though, I'm thrilled to welcome my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, bud? Doing great. Uh, yeah, here we go. Week 12. We're, I mean, Thanksgiving, it's weird always when I like look back at like the year before, you know, we could go on Game Pass when it worked. And you go like, oh, I'm gonna, click, I'm gonna click. Oh, what week was Thanksgiving? Week 15, right? And you're like, oh no, that's actually wait December. It's like week 12 and Thanksgiving. Like some reason, like doesn't match up. Like I feel like it's later in the season, but we still got like six weeks to go. So we're recording this just full disclosure on Tuesday. Obviously, the holiday week is strange. We didn't want to have to have anyone take time out of their Thanksgiving to record our normal Friday show. If anything changes between now and then, just keep that in mind. A little injury Please. notes. If anything big happens, we'll <laughs> record something at the top just to make it all clear. But just keep that in mind as you're listening to this. We're going to dig into a Friday four today. Obviously, just less time to go back and watch film. We only had one day with the All-22 from last week. So we're going to pick four topics. We're going to dig into the Eagles run game a little bit later. We'll talk about the Niners and just some of the tweaks they've made on offense. Talk about Mac Jones and this Patriots offense and how they've kind of created this haven for him. But I want to start with the Rams and I want to try to figure out or see if you can figure out what is wrong with the Los Angeles Rams offense. They're still number one in EPA per play after the last two weeks. Like if you look at the aggregate, it's not as if they've fallen off a cliff, but the last two performances against the Titans and against the uh, Niners, both of them in prime time, it's taken the shine off them a little bit. You know, we were so excited about that offense a couple weeks ago on the show before they played the Titans. I mean, their passing game just seemed like they were doing anything that they wanted to. And that has fallen back a little bit. So when you're looking at this team, which is about to play a Packers defense that's played much better as of late, what are you watching with this Rams team? And what do you want to see them get back on track? Rewatching that 49ers game was actually, it, I'm glad I did it. Like, because the heat of the moment. I mean, I'm with it too. As you watch those night games, and you're just like, holy crap, the Rams have been figured out. Or, or man, they lose Robert Woods and they can't do this or that. And I rewatched it. Yes, they had the early blemishes. Stafford, what, whatever the hell that throw was early on, on a broken play. He had like, a couple. I mean, the, the one, that, man. The one to so Beckham weird. that got hit, intercepted, obviously, but then the one to that backup receiver on the oh, dig yes. where he just threw it like six feet over his head. It's like, what is going on right now? And I get that he had like pressure a little bit on it, but he makes those throws all the time where he's, yeah. he moves his, he, that's one of the best thing he does is he changes his arm slot. He just has that early on. Sometimes I think he's one of those guys that gets amped up early on. And some quarterbacks could be like that, where they're just like prime time game, night game, prime time. Ah, we got OBJ and like the first pass play they're going to him. Like, you know, kind of like we're, we're going to put a 50 on them, all that stuff. So I think that's a little bit of it. Rewatching it though, after those early blemishes, they were moving the ball pretty well. Like yeah. they were getting guys open, uh, even with Ben Skrowkrin, uh <laughs> running routes for them. You know the the you, you know, your classic Notre Dame Northwestern guy. Um, so like having like that, the loss of Robert Woods wasn't 
yes, it hurts. But watching it wasn't as like, okay, okay. It wasn't as much of a drop off as I saw doing the run game things, doing all those little things. Um, they still have Cooper Cup being able to do the Cooper Cup things. And watching OBJ running some of those routes, it's like, ooh, that's going to be tasty in a couple of weeks as they kind of ease them back into them, <laughs> especially after the bye week and, you know, really getting instilled into them. So watching it, it's really the one blemish, I would say, other than Stafford's, you know, bonehead moments where he just sprays it for whatever reason is um, this is something the Titans did take advantage of is they they are kind of like an old school half slide team when they have protections and then that center fully turns. And the 49ers didn't really take advantage of that much, but I thought the Titans did with their pass rush plan and picking the center. And I'm curious if teams start looking at that, you know, because if, if they're going to be in more spread, yeah. And maybe this, you can teach it this way. I've been obviously with uh, some people in my life um, taught a certain way with the <laughs> offensive line protection stuff. Uh, I really taught was, I learned, especially Roddy Hudson's one of the best at it. And Jensen with a, with the Bucks is really good at it. Um, yeah, as Daz and Travis Frederick are great with it. The Cowboys, because this is how Bill Callahan teach, taught it, is getting the center straight back in their sets because a lot of these defenses are picking them. You're running a middle twist or having to deed tackle, pick them, and then have another guy loop around. And when you got a guy that full turns and has the little half turn, it's easier to pick and easier to get those loops and make them edgy. Stafford kind of you know negates some of that because he's so he could be brilliant at times, getting rid of the ball and progressing, getting out on time. But it's just something curious. I'm curious if other teams take advantage of it and they put a pass rush plan with that. But other than that, I watched those two past two games and I wasn't as down as down on them as I thought I would be. You know, going into what I thought would be the film session, I do think the passing game stuff's really cool. Like uh, they just run traditional good concepts. They get into the empty stuff. They're not doing as much motion because they don't really have to create that stuff. But in the 49ers game, when you could see when they try to get back on track, they hit the run game a little bit and it looked good. It was like, you know, it still looked good, even without Robert Woods and stuff. It was still doing all the wineback stuff. They're still hitting all the motion stuff, even with Ben Skalkin doing it. So I'm I'm not as down on them as I thought it would be. And then we haven't talked about the defense yet. We can get that in a minute. But as far as offensively, I still think they're fine. It, it, this, they were such a high-level unit. Even with Stafford's EPA per play, even after these two weeks, it's still up there because that's how incredible they've been. And now they hit a bye week, and I think they have smart enough coaches to kind of go, Okay, let's regroup. We got a new set of personnel, and let's go from here. It's funny because the reason I was so excited about them and the reason that it kind of washed over me when I watched a couple of their games is because they could just do whatever they wanted, right? The the thing that really was notable is that they weren't having to go to – I don't want to call it a gimmick because that seems derogatory, but – they were just lining up an empty and slinging the ball over all over the field. They were making awesome. the game so hard on themselves because they could, right? Yeah. And when you watch that Niners game, it feels like they're digging back into the version of the Rams offense that we saw for the last few years. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, we need we need a chunk here on first down. Let's let's run a boot. We need a chunk here. Let's fake a bubble and then throw that little wheel to cup up the yeah. left sideline, which is a beautiful play. So pretty. These are smart football plays, right? These are effective, efficient football plays. Digging back into those is a good idea. Like, that's fine. It's a good answer. So you take out a couple of the bad turnovers, and you kind of see what they look like when they're not throwing the ball to the other team. And even if they're not going to be this burn-it-down machine or we can just line up and empty and throw it 45 times and you can't stop us, you don't have to be that to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. If you can dig back into this, 
under center run game where we're running some boots and play actions off of it. And then we mix in the drop back elements and the downfield drop back elements that defined our offense over the first six weeks of the season. That's a nice mix. Like I feel like when they find that mix, they're going to be just fine. I'm curious missing woods. How does that change formationally what they can do with some of the run game stuff? Because him as a blocker is the thing they miss the most going from him to Beckham. Even if Beckham is a willing blocker at times, Woods is a plus plus blocker at that position. I think it's that now as opposed to we I, we kind of refer to Cup and Woods as like the tag team champs. Like they're so good at both of the things they do. And yeah. it's kind of fun watching how that, how much overlap they had in their skill set. They, it almost felt like a tag team, right? Like they, they they're they're built kind of similarly. Like they do they're similar the Dudley stuff. Boys. It's like watching the Dudley boys or the Road Warriors or like guys <laughs> dress the same way. It's so yes. true. I know. And and so I think what it does take away is now it's like, hey, we gotta get cup the ball. And okay, boom, Robert, you're staying in and blocking. Da, 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 Robert Woods, you're staying in and blocking, not Robert Mays. <laughs> then it's like, okay, now we want to get Nobody Robert Woods the ball. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> no, now we want to get Robert Woods the ball. Okay, or, okay, boom, Cup is going to seal the edge and he's going to do all the pass protection stuff where he acts like another tight end. So I think it's just that now it becomes a little bit one more one dimensional because you're not going to really have Van Jefferson do, do that. He's not built for that. He doesn't, he's not how he wins. He's more of a traditional type of receiver. So I think that's kind of the one thing they take away that little unpredictable uh, aspect of it is like, which guy is in motion, which guy is taking the stuff, which guy is taking the block, what guy is going out in a route. Uh, They're in a bunch. Oh, wow. Cups at the point man. Now. So it's just that little, little hesitancy that they can create. But I think it's such a great point you're talking about. Uh, they hey they cranked it all the way up living in this empty world. And it was kind of like jarring for the first few weeks. It was like, wow, they just they said, we got so sick of golf and that offense. We're not doing it any, ever again. Like they were just like, we're not doing any of that. But yes, I think that's kind of nice. That maybe with this bye week is that they're going to kind of lean. Hey, let's go back. What's the run game stuff that works with the pass game stuff that works and maybe bridge it and tie it all in together. We've talked about many times on the show. Good teams find different ways to win. I think this very good offense has already showed they do both well. And I think that coming out of the bye is they're going to merge it. Now those play action looks are going to look when they're in the gun, it's not going to be so, you know, they're going to find more runs out of the gun. They've already have, but they're going to tweak it even more. When they're under center, they're going to find more passes under center. They have them, but they're going to tweak it even more. I think just more bridging, more merging. And, that, and McVay's really good at that. That's what's been really cool. This offense is the last few years is how everything looks the same. So I think now, as opposed to be very siloed as it can be right now, is it starts blending and starts blending. And it's going to be a new little salad that they work with. Siloed is a great way to put it. And I honestly think that that sort of transition can help their run game. They have not been efficient running into light boxes this year. And you would make you think that with their run game has looked like over the last several years. And as more teams kind of play shell coverage in order to slow down that passing game, we'll just slam it into light boxes. But that marriage of the run in the past that defined who they were for the last few seasons, it started to disintegrate a little bit over the first chunk of this season, which makes sense when you're living in yep. more of a gun empty world. But we talk about it all the time. It's hard to flip that switch as an offensive lineman. It's hard to say we're going to be a spread it out team and then we're going to be physical. That yep. it's You want to be able to do that, but tying those things in together just makes it easier to dial up that version of yourself as an offense. When you have more play action stuff, when you have more under center runs tied into your under center play action you can just lean into that run game a little bit mm-hmm. more than the what they've been doing over the first half of the season so i think their run game in some of those situations could become more efficient as they do it more often 
which I know isn't the best answer when you're such an efficient passing team, but I still think that they can tweak those dials a little bit to their benefit. Yeah. They're figuring out their mix. That's what it is. Yeah. And I think, yeah, maybe it's 80, 20 right now, but it, getting it down to 70, 30 or something like that, where how they blend everything. Um, it's funny. Like you, you talk about offensive line and going from, Hey, pass, pass, pass that, pass that, pass that. Then, Oh, oh, now we're running, you know, split zone. Okay. I got to get my head down just like any other athlete. Offensive, offensive line gets into a rhythm. They're yep. just like any other athlete. It's just like a jump shooter. It's just like a pitcher. It's just like any other athlete. That's what the offensive line. Why some of these offenses, these, I know this is a totally different version, but these Shanahan Kubiak offenses, they really get everyone in a rhythm because they set everything up. Everything feels the same. You get the defenses off balance because everything looks the same. And so I, I completely agree. It's that it, it's hard to do that. It really is hard to go like, hey, we're going to do this. And then now we're under center and we're going to pound it right up your butt. Like <laughs> it's just it's it's a weird mindset to just switch unless you get into four minute mode. So, yeah, but man, it I did like that empty stuff early in the year, man. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, I, they're not going to get rid of it, but it's like, exactly. man, I, if that's just yeah. a, an ingredient in what you're trying to do and it's part yes. of the recipe, I think that's OK. But I think digging into just some of the easier stuff, making it easier on themselves, easier. especially when they're trying to kind of settle back in. I think that's an okay approach. And I think that's I what we're going to see. Completely All right. Agree. Next thing we wanted to talk about, have the Eagles found a formula on offense that can get them to the playoffs? I mean, they look dead in the water. I mean, when Nick Sirianni is talking about planting seeds and watering stuff, I mean, it, it looked as if this was just going to be not a lost season, but just a forgettable season, a, yeah. a, a setting the deck sort of season for the Eagles. Now, their offense is firing. Since week eight, 0.09 EPA per rush, only the Colts are better running the ball over the last four weeks than the Eagles. And when you watch it, it's obvious. I yeah. mean, they played against a Saints team that led the league in rushing DVOA coming into the game last week and ran the ball all over them. When I opened that film today to watch it, it was as good as I wanted it to be. I mean, yep. there are so many different things to consider, both as a defense and as somebody who's trying to study this thing. So when you started watching the Colts run game, what about it just was the most notable to you? Holy shit, that offensive line's playing well. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, the pockets created. I started a thread of them because I was just laughing at every single one that I came across. Because it was just... It was, I mean, I, I, I made a joke that, or to myself was that it was like, it looked like Russ, Russell Wilson, when he was out Wisconsin, when we had our dominant old line and Russ just got to sit back there on his tippy toes, just kind of bouncing around. And he's like, ah, I'm going to scramble now. Like, that's what it looked like. And that's in the NFL. You rare, you can see clean pockets maybe four to five times a game, I would say. If you throw the ball 30 times, I would say, you know, about a fifth of those would be a clean pocket. Yeah, I mean, it was like half, if, if maybe more. And it was just really, really cool to watch this team. And I know I'm talking about passing the ball, but even run the ball, they they figured out, oh, our quarterback's pretty damn good at running the ball. Maybe we should tie in our runs with that as opposed to just like, doing basic runs. And so I think it's they've identified who their queens on the chessboard are or who their advantages are, and that's their offensive line. It's Dallas Godert and it's Devontae Smith. And it hurts his legs. And I think they figured out, they're like, okay, let's use that and get as much as we can. Um, I, I, I'm still not sold on Jalen Hurts as a passer, but as far as him creating and doing that stuff, it makes him at least feisty because it's just like, okay, it's going to be our pain he has to go against. If we run man coverage, he might just run for 30 yards on third down. If we go soft zone, we go quarters or cover two, they're going to just pound it right down our, down our throats. You know, it's a, it's a hard mix to defend against. And 
we haven't talked about, you know, Devontae Smith is just a stud. So it's, it's a fun, it's a lot more fun unit than I thought it would be. I don't know if they're like exceptionally good, but it's fun. And I think they have their flavor that they're going with the rest of the year. If you look at a lot of the best running teams in the NFL right now, it, there is a similar feel to it. It's a lot of heavy personnel. Like the spread to run approach in the NFL has not been as useful as we think about over the last decade of football at all levels, yeah. right? You have a lot of 21, you have a lot of 12. It's just to create angles and create gaps. That's all it is. The Eagles have kind of been a little bit of a of a return to that spread to run approach. I was looking yeah. at some of the numbers today. 0.23 EPA per rush with three receivers on the field this season. Number one in the league. Uh, comfortably better than anyone else. And when you watch it, it makes sense, right? They're getting teams in nickel and they're just destroying them because the ways that they can create a numbers advantage in the run game, you're kind of SOL. And what it reminds me of is it's like watching the Colts run game with a quarterback who's a rushing threat. That's how it feels to me because you still have elements of that Frank Reich yeah. inspired run game right yep. so i remember a conversation i had with jeff stoutland who was the colts or the eagles offensive line coach still was there with the previous regime carried over to this regime and it was before they played the patriots in the super bowl in 2017 and he was just talking about how they would solve different fronts and different problems and kelsey is obviously a huge part of that mm-hmm. right like they would look at a front and they'd be like well there's no one way we're going to block this. If you want to pin pull this, if you want to do like, just, they would have all these different ways of solving this thing. And when you watch it now, that's still there. They'll loop guards around. They'll pin pull. They'll have all of these different trap plays. There's all these different run concepts. And now you have the quarterback as a runner. Mm-hmm. So you're adding the numbers there. You watch that game against the saints. They're just leaving cam Jordan unblocked every single play. And allowing Mylotta to climb to the second level, which he's great at, by the way. Mm-hmm. So now you have a run. You have an advantage with the numbers because Hertz is a great as a runner. You have guys that are physically just dominant at the point of attack. Dickerson is huge as a guard. He can do a ton of stuff like that. And you have guys that are great in space. Mylotta as a tackle is very good in space. Kelsey's really good in space. So you have all these different things and all these different types of runs coming at you. And it's a lot to deal with as a defense. It's really cool to watch. It is. The The Saints were a page behind them for until the second half. They they kept trying to go in quarters and soft coverage against they, the Eagles were just pounding away out of one by three. Like what you're saying, 11 personnel, just one by three. And they're running zone with a little bubble controller. And it was hilarious. They moved the ball, moved the ball, like two straight drives on them. And so the Saints were like, ah, go man. I think it was third down. They're like, go man, here we go. And then that's when Jalen Hurts ran the power read. And it was just like, there was nobody on the entire side of the field because it was man coverage and the safety the safety that was down, he was choked up on uh, Godart. Go, I would say Godart. I, I was butcher's name, Dallas Goddard. <laughs> Goddard. Uh, so he was choked up and it was just, he, I mean, Hurts was able to keep the ball and just run right up the field. And getting into that kind of, as opposed to just zone read and changing angles too and be able, like you said, maybe run a little gap read, all that stuff, you know, all that uh, uh, power read stuff. It's, just different ways to attack a defense. Like, cause now as opposed to just being very static with your look, it's like, no, they're just, they're changing it up. You see a lot of coaches when they're like, oh, we got an athletic quarterback, let's run zone read and it looks basic as hell. And it's just yeah. like something from like, it's like Colin Kaepernick for 12 years ago, you know, 10 years ago. 
instead it's like, okay, they actually truly under, are understanding how to use that. If that makes sense. They're actually going like, okay, how do we flavor this up? How do we formation this up? So it seems like they, they understand what they have, which is a compliment to their coaching staff. And yeah, it's, it's hilarious. You said that with the, the Frank Wright. I mean, it makes sense. Nick Sirianni, like that makes sense. Like that yep. he has that makes a ton of sense that that's some of the influence. And I totally see that too. That's a great call. And it's funny because we talk about how zone running games allow your offense to be right when your offensive line maybe doesn't have the best players. The Eagles offensive line is has, is capable of physical dominance. Yes. So when you have those plays where you're just allowing guys to get free onto the second level yeah. to block linebackers in space, they're just swallowing them up. Like this yeah. is, we've talked about this with the Eagles a couple times recently. You think about this team and whatever you think about Hurts and his future, now you got Milata at one tackle. Lane Johnson crushing people on the other side. Lane Johnson's 31 and he's he's healthy. He and great. now, so it's like, all right, you got two bookend tackles. Dickerson is a piece of the future in the middle of that offense for at whatever position he ends up playing. Let's yeah. say Kelsey retires, whatever. You have pieces up front. You have Devontae Smith. You have Dallas Goddard who just signed a contract extension. It's like, all right. Like, like I don't, all I right. Know. And this transition into being a run first team after not running the ball for the first month of the season for whatever reason, I mean, they have really found something here starting with the Lions game. And they're going to be a pain in the ass to deal with simply because it's a talent thing up front and it's a numbers thing with the quarterback. When you have a talent advantage and a numbers advantage, you're going to be a pain for anybody that has to stop you. And that's yes. going to be true until teams start really loading up. And if yep. they're going to play in 11 personnel and they're going to have three receivers on the field, you got to make a decision somewhere. You got to yep. create a vulnerability gets created on your defense somewhere when you have these talent and numbers advantages. And that's what we're seeing with the Eagles right now. They, I mean, even just the passing attack, they got, I mean, having a tight end and a receiver like Devonte Smith, like that's just good synergy. Like that's what yep. you want. And it's like those guys can, okay. So if you want to go single high, you want to run man, how many safeties are you going to keep up with the tight end? How many are you going to keep up with Devonte Smith? If you want to go cover three, okay, well, let's work over the field to the tight end or one of our backs that can catch the ball. If you want to, you know, it's just that they have answers. Even if it's an unusual way that they're creating them, they have them. So it's, yeah, that's pretty good place to be sitting in where it's like, well, a team does this to us. Well, we will just do this to them. You, you get, They get to dictate things. And you can tell against the Saints. I don't think the Saints were ready to be dictated. Also, because in the second half, they started running cover three. They didn't run cover three the whole first half. That's what it felt like anecdotally. But it's like in the second half, they first play, they came out, it was cover three. And it was like, oh, they went the halftime. They go, okay, no more quarter shells against like they went on the whiteboard. They're like, no more quarters like coming out of the half because we're just tired of getting run on. That's what it felt like in that in that third quarter. So I'm just very, yeah, I I, I, and I'm looking at what the Eagles schedule is going to be. And they might do just quite a few teams that they play down the road. All right. Our next one here that I wanted to talk about is the Niners offense. And specifically, what's different about this version of the Niners offense? This team is third in offensive DVOA. They're one of the most efficient offenses in the entire league. And their passing game has also been really efficient in a way that I think is a little bit surprising. So when you went back and you watched this Niners team over the last couple games, what's different about this version of the Niners Shanahan offense compared to the ones that we've seen over the last couple years? Uh, man, it's, it's, they run their stuff, but it's, it's their use of 21 personnel. I would say they've always used it, but how they're tweaking it now. It's not just eye formation. We have alluded to it plenty of times where they just move juice check around where they move all their guys. It's something that Shanahan has kind of done the last couple of years. And now it's like, okay, we've seen the final, we've seen the Pokemon evolve. 
now we're seeing the Charizard version of this this weird, <laughs> wacky offense that they're doing. Um, but like even that drive against the Jaguars, the opening drive where they had 20 plays, just like the formation families they get into. Like in an offense, uh, or when you're breaking down, there's formation families, an offense and a defense. How I've known it, it's three by one, two by two, one by three, pro, which is I formation stuff, slot, which is you know two receivers on one side, and then heavy. There's a couple others, but that's the gist of it. And on that first drive, it was like they're in 21 personnel at all these plays. They motioned the bunch, which is three by one. They went king slot, which is pro, you know, pro slot. They motioned juice check out to three by one and created a three by one and passed the ball. They went to one by three speed motion. They kicked out with that. They went two by two dot, which is like a pro style two by two, you know, two tight ends ace, as some people call it. But it's like, this is all out of the same formation family or I'm sorry, uh, personnel family. So imagine a defense going 21. It's not eye formation coming at us. It's not just toss outside zone coming at us again and again and again. It's like they might be spreading out. They might be like juice check might be split out and there's a receiver in the backfield and there's a, you know, a, a running back out split out. Just that variation that they have. I would say the number one change, number one change or thing that's a little different is how much power they run. They run a lot of they run a lot more gap schemes, which they did last year, last couple of years, but a lot more this year. And also how they use it because it's not an eye formation you know, lead counter or anything like that. It's that speed motion with the kick out. You could see some, you know, Ravens influence almost in there. Yep. And you utilizing that. I would say that's the number one tweak with it, but it's, it's cool. Like I was really enjoying watching this and I always enjoy watching a Shanahan run game, but just how they just m- mess with that personnel and just use these shifts and motions and get, create these formations out of the same form uh, personnel grouping is really, really cool. The speed motion thing is the thing that jumps out to me the most. And it's with yeah. use check specifically, right? Yeah. So he'll be lined up as like an H back, uh, just off the t- off the line of scrimmage, tied to the formation, like a tight end almost. Mm-hmm. They'll send him in speed motion to one side and they just create numbers and angles on the other side of the formation. The Ravens do that a ton with Ricard. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a way to quickly change the numbers in your advantage and to quickly create angles for yourself in the run game. And their Niners are doing that all the time. And beyond just the ways they're lining them up, you know, as an H-back, as a fullback, whatever. The play that jumped out to me, and this is an extreme example, right? There was a play right before they kicked the field goal against the, the Jaguars, the 20-yard field goal that crushed my soul, That them kicking that thing. On fourth and one. <laughs> on third and one, they lined up in an I formation look out of what is technically 21 personnel, okay? Except no one was in the position they were supposed to be in. It's awesome. George Kittle was the I-formation fullback instead of the tight end. Debo Samuel was the I-formation tailback instead of a receiver. Jeff Wilson was the receiver to the left side. Brandon Ayuk, this is my favorite one, was lined up as a tight end with his hand on the ground to the same side that Jeff Wilson was on. And then Juszczyk was the number one receiver to the right side. Yeah. The defense responded how you'd think they'd respond. No one had any idea where they were supposed to line up. Yep. Any idea. So on the play, Wilson just gets lost in the wash. He's wide open. No one within 20 yards. (laughs) He slows down. Jimmy overthrows him. It's just like a bummer of a play. That is an extreme example. But that gets to the core of what this offense is and why it's hard to defend. Now having Ayuk back in there and having him as somebody who can win on inbreakers as an aspect of this offense is really nice. Because now you have two guys that can win over the middle of the field with him and Debo. But the other thing is you have interchangeable pieces positionally. Yes. So the fact that Debo can play running back for you, the fact that 
George Kittle can play fullback, the fact that Juszczyk can play fullback or tight end, all of that stuff, it's just little tiny bits of confusion. It's when you line up as a defense, it's like, who's there? Why is he there? What's my responsibility on this now? And it, when other teams do this, right, especially lining up receivers in the backfield, it's to create mismatches in the passing game. Like, that's what yep. you do. Justin Jefferson did it on an option route against the Packers last week. We talked about it. Debo can actually run the ball. Yeah. Like, he's a, his body type and his skill set, he can actually run the ball. So you have all of these guys that it's not just doing it to do it. It's not one-off plays. Their offensive philosophy is baked into this idea of everyone can line up anywhere and everyone can do everything. And it just is a nightmare to deal with. And that's yeah. what we're seeing right now. Yeah, that not one-off line is exactly it. So much of this, like you said, we're putting the receiver in the backfield. That's usually you see it in the red zone. Or, yeah. hey, CD Lamb, we're going to go it's zero situational. Or, or, it's situational. It's a, it's When I say game plan plays, that's what those are. They're game plan plays. You have them in for a week or two, and that's it. No, this is this is their base offense, and that they could just get to this. It's that 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 play that overthrow to Je- Wilson. I won't call it overthrow, but the miss the miss touchdown. They ran the same formation earlier in the drive, and they and they ran out of it. And so all of a sudden they come out into it again, and you can see the defense going like, "Oh, it's this again!" Like, and then they snap the ball in the quick. How many we talk about it all the time about having the wrinkles with the jet motion, like you know, just that jet motion, right? It makes the defense hesitate for that split second, and that's what you want. Now imagine it's motion shifts and then also the X's on the chalkboard are not where we think they're going to be lined up. Yeah. That is, it's so much hesitancy if a defense is not prepared for it. it they're going to take, it's, you're creating, it's, it's, a, it's a league of kind of like everybody parity. You know, you only have so many advantages. So creating this extra 5%, 10% is like ridiculous if you can do it play after play after play after play. Because at one point, someone's going to make a mistake. At one point, that practice squad nickel who's been there, you know, who has been on the active roster for one week is also going to go, uh, I thought we were a man and I had number 19. Why is he in the backfield? And you could see the Jaguars that happened a couple of times. They would motion the guys and they're, the guys are coming back into the box and they're like, am I supposed to be in here? Like, you know, am I supposed to be covering this guy? And it's like, yeah, that's your rules. And just manipulating. We talk about manipulating and setting, you know, not just setting the tone, but dictating. That's what they're doing with this stuff. And it's, it's really fun. Like I, I knew it'd be fun to watch, but it's even more than I thought because it's not like they're running the craziest concepts in the world. They haven't revolutionized much. They just have this personnel that can do it and they do it really well. And also it's amazing to watch George Kittle block again. That's we we did a couple of weeks ago. We did the mailbag about favorite players to watch. And I, I got I'm at I'm amending. I'm, I'm throwing George Kittle on there because it's so much fun to watch. We've talked earlier this year about the shortcomings of the Kyle Shanahan era in San Francisco and where it's been disappointing. And it has been in some ways, right? Like yep. They have misstepped in personnel many yes. times. They, they've made a lot of mistakes. But this is why it's impossible to not get excited about it in these moments. Because even if there are short, even if there are holes on their roster, even if there are, are spots where it's like, oh man, like Daniel Brunskill is out there again, huh? Like that's what we we're going to do. You still have, we talk about queens on the chessboard. Getting to watch an offense that makes things easier on their guys consistently and also features the best two-way tight end in the NFL, the yep. best left tackle in the NFL yep. by a lot right yes. now. Like he is he is dominating the game. He is Every doing snap. stuff in the run game no one else can do, which yep. allows their run game to unfold in the way that it does. So you have the best tight end, 
You have the best left tackle. You have, I'd say right now, the best player with the ball in his hands. Like Debo's to, ability yeah. to create in space. I, I think that absolutely he's in the conversation. He's on the podium. He's on the podium. Yes. <laughs> so even if there are holes and deficiencies on the roster, there are still enough blue chip guys combined with the way that Shanahan does this, where it's like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like they can still just run over teams. Like they're still going to be so hard to deal with when everything's back in place. Now that yep. Kittle is there, now that Ayuk is in the lineup instead of Muhammad Sanu or Trent Sherfield or whoever, yep. it's, I don't know, man. It, I, every, I, know. I, I feel like Pacino in Godfather 3. Yes. Every time I'm out, I, they pull me back in. Same. And that's what it is. It, it's yeah. just, you have to take the good with the bad. And the bad, when it comes to the way they've managed this roster at times and with the lack of vision says, it's so funny how there's a lack of team building vision and it's completely contrasted with the purest offensive vision that exists in the league. Like the fact that those two things are at odds with each other is so hard for me to reconcile. Right? He could set up drives. He could set up plays for two quarters later. But it's like, nope, we're talking about long-termness. Like anything past a week, it's like you're, yeah, you're just praying that they do something it's right. It's almost I like know. those are two different jobs. Right? Right? I mean, we've, we've there's only a few people that have done it well. Uh, <laughs> and so it's... It's honestly, that's exactly it. I, I, I'm glad you said the Godfather part three line because that's exactly how I felt. I went back and watched it and it was just like, this is fun. Jimmy G's gone exactly where he needs to go with the ball. Like you said, I thought Brownsco was going to be getting his butt whipped. They've hit him. They've figured out a way to make it work. And it's, you know, they went against the Rams. He had to go against Aaron Donald a couple times. <laughs> they managed and they did fine. And it was okay. It, it, that's exciting. That's really, really exciting. And did you see the split zone, by the way? This is a random play. Did you see that there's a split zone and Josh Allen? Like you've talked about uh, Josh Allen or DN just crashing on boot, you know, crashing towards the quarterback, just sprint right at the quarterback. So they ran split zone. Kittle's going across to block him. And Josh Allen got so up the field. Kittle's like, uh, I, he just got wasted. He was kind of like, I don't know what to do here. So the next drive, they ran it again. And they had Kittle just loop around Josh Allen and lead. And he was out in space. And it was just like they created like a plus two blockers. For the running back. And I think the running back got tripped up or whatever, but it was hilarious. Like seeing him tweak it. I'm like, we're not even going to block him. Cause he's going to run at Jimmy G. So that was kind of, it was kind of funny, but it was like, they're seeing that stuff right now. They're able, not only able to see it, but now able to take advantage of it because now they have their guys in place. And yeah, it's, it was fun. It was really, really fun watching that Jags game, especially. The other interesting part of it is you know, we so often we attribute this super play action, heavy approach to what they do in the passing game. They've toned it down this year. Yep. I mean, I think he's like outside the top 10 in play action percentage. Uh, right now, if you're looking at it, Jimmy Garoppolo is 16th among full-time starters in play action percentage in play action percentage this year, according to PFF. He's used it on 27% of his dropbacks. Wow. That's still a decent number, especially compared but to five years ago. Yeah. Five yeah. years ago. <laughs> in 2016, Matt Ryan led the league at 25%. If you're th- that, that to me, I, I truly believe this. I think in terms of schematics in the NFL, the uptick in play action is the largest departure we have seen, or the, the it's the biggest change to the league that we've seen, I think, in the last five years. But just yeah. when you look at what used to be the highest mark in the league and now what is average, it, it's titanic how different yeah. it is right now. I mean, there are teams, I mean, I, the Dolphins are in their own zip code. Dolphins are using play action on 42% of their dropbacks. That's oh because of all the RPOs. 
Yeah. But I mean, the Kyler's at 36%. Lamar's at 35%. I think that certain types of quarterbacks have changed this. But if you look at it for the most part, I mean, you have almost, you have nine quarterbacks at 30%. 30% used to lead the league. That shift has been so huge. And that's why it's interesting to see the Niners go away from it. Like their passing game right now, just quick, just get yeah. the ball out of his hands, like quick why in breakers. You with those guys. <laughs> and it's, it's, which is, it, it makes total sense, right? Yeah. If they're not looking for the shots anymore. And I don't know nope. what it looks like over the long term if mm-hmm. they can't push the ball down the field and they have to play this ball control passing game. But right now, it's just been curious to kind of watch them transition away from a play action heavy approach and just wanting him to play point guard a little bit more. And what's fun, though, is that you know he has it in his back pocket. It's not like yes. Shanahan just goes, yes. oh, I, what happened to that play action stuff I used to run? I never, you know, it, it's all that. It's such a great point because all that boot stuff, all the, the the heavy play action and everything, it's it's changed the flavor of it, everything. Because now, a million times we've talked about how aggressive defenses work down now and how they want to keep everything umbrellaed and keep everything just on top of everything. And play action is the one way you can influence that without having to create a high low and have to create an intricate pass concept. So it was like, I think it was a lot of guys going like, wow, that's an easy way to create a chunk play without my quarterback having to be, you know, a superstar. And that's kind of been cool about it. But it's like you said, it's kind of funny that the team that was leading the way in that is now going like, hey, what's a zag? Well, everyone else is zigging, you know. And Well, it makes fine. sense though, right? Because it does. That- the play action, defenses are now ready for it. And yeah, I mean. the way the reason that just on a broad level, we've talked about this a million times. The reason yeah. that the play action boot offense became the hot offense in the NFL is so many teams were playing that single high Seattle system and you're yep. just crushing teams on overs. Yep. Right. I mean, just think about how many overs we've seen from the Vikings and how many burner concepts you watch from the Niners yes. team in 2019 where you have the number one receiver running off and then the deep mm-hmm. over coming behind it when that corner is cleared out. You can just see it in your mind. You saw it a million different times. Well, now that the league is shifting away from that approach, Shanahan, who helped drive that innovation in the first place, is now shifting away from that. It's. I was talking to somebody involved in that tree on that Niners staff this summer about, all right, now that you're seeing all of this shell, what are you going to go, what do you do? And he said, in reference to Debo, if you are going to play defenses that make you earn it, you got to have guys that can earn it. And that's exactly what Debo Samuel is. So it's not about creating play action shots against single high defenses anymore. It's about getting the ball to your playmakers in space underneath and letting them create for you. Like that is the shift that's happened. And the Niners embody that shift. Yep. And it's that versatility too. We, we've talked about like all these intricate pass pressure, you know, patterns, the blitz pa- packages and everybody's defensive rules. There's little twists and formations and everything. Everything's taught. Oh, three by one, two by two pro set. You know, like I talked about the formation families, defensive coverage rules are taught the same way. Hey, those are the formation families. We have to look at what are our rules? If we're in robber, how are we going to do it? If we're in the Patriots, one double concept, who are we doubling? How's everybody else work? So now if you're getting those guys in unusual places, not a lot of defenses are smart enough to handle that. We talk about, you said earlier, like the Eagles world, like playing against the Eagles or or playing against the Ravens. Like those could be like service academy teams and you have to like have a whole new game plan. It's hard to be on a short week against them. Same with this. Like all of a sudden you have to go in and like, hey, that quality control coach is going like, okay, uh, it's just extra manpower, extra mental energy. All Everybody on that staff has to expend. And then that's just the X's and O's part of it. Then you get the talent. Then you get the Queens on the chessboard. You get Brandon Ayuk. Like that's the thing about Ayuk. It's hilarious. It's like, 
I don't trust his route running right now, but holy shit, is he dangerous with the ball in his hands? <laughs> so yes. Like it's and he moves different. He just does. He just moves different. Like his way to bend and his body control and he's oh, it's it's really impressive. But now they got him and Debo that could do it. George Kittle like led the league in yak didn't he, a couple of years ago. All these guys that are just can pull away from guys when they do get the ball in their hands. And like you said, it's just it's this new wave of doing it. It's not it's not just uh, uh, quickly all this quick game. It's not that. It's just like finding these high lows, get the ball in their hands, and we get them moving. No static routes. Everything's moving in this offense, and I like that because. You're just getting the defenses uncomfortable. You're changing the number count. You're changing where they attack. It's really, really cool. It's it's really interesting. You look at this. I mean, it make this this is a fascinating list, by the way. If you look at dropbacks against Cover Three this season in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo is 27th in the league. The only guys below him are quarterbacks that have started eight or fewer games: Jacoby Brissett, Davis Mills, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Zach Wilson, Tua. So essentially, among full-time quarterbacks, no one has seen fewer cover three dropbacks in the NFL than Jimmy Garoppolo, which on its face against a team that runs the ball all the time makes no sense. But so many defenses play shell coverage against these teams because they don't want to get burned by the explosive pass plays. Like they don't want to get burned. And so it just got the back and forth. You can just hear it in my voice, like how interesting it is. It is. And how the ebbs and flows of the way the league exists are embodied in what you see from the little tiny tweaks and shifts within the Niners offense. Oh, no. Even even run the power stuff makes sense because the fronts are different. Yes. Now they the zone stuff was working for years and years. They still run it. They run toss lead zone basically. and But then also now they run power and lead counter. And it's because the fronts are different that they're facing because they're getting two high shells. And it's like, oh, the dominoes. Like you said, it's just, it all just starts to make sense. And it's just like, it just, yeah, just one thing falls another. And then you just wait for the swings back and like how the, how defenses are going to counter that. It's yeah, it's fun. <laughs> all right. Last one here. I want to talk about how the Patriots have kind of built this offense around Mac Jones, how they have built in my mind, really the perfect environment for a young rookie quarterback. And that's really come together in my mind over the last few weeks. When I say that and you, and you smile. What about it do you think actually solves that? Where you're like, this is exactly how you should give a guy answers and security at this stage of his career. Just a lot of solid players around him. Like that is number one is first off, they have the O-line that's now getting healthy and I mean, looks great. But even this free agency period, signing all those guys, Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne, one of our all-stars, and and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and signing those guys. It was giving them different flavors. Like really the only type of player they're missing, even though Nikhil Harry should be this guy, he's more of just a, a screen setter now, is they don't have like a ball winner. And yeah. usually when you when you have a quarterback or a young quarterback, it's like you want a guy that he can just say F it, throw up the grenade. They don't really have that. They just more. Bourne is a contested catch guy though. I know. Like he awesome. is good in those situations. <laughs> His like hand the Niners, man. That's why the Niners just threw him out there on third down and in the red yep. zone. Cause it's like when they're playing man and we need somebody to go win the ball, Kendrick Bourne was their guy. I know. I, I kind of love Bourne. <laughs> it's, I, I'm so cool. It was like, it's cool to see him kind of like now they're like really upping his usage and like, yeah. actually like getting them. I know it's been fun to watch it, but even so we talk about personnel and then also just the system they're running. It is a system, but just the offense they're running 
it's going to be QB friendly. I don't want to take anything away from Mac Jones because they're not running like a shit ton of nakeds. They're not running sprint outs every play. It's not half field. Fewer reads. screens than I thought there were and fewer yep. and, and less play action than I thought there was going to be Correct. when I started digging into this. Same. I thought there would be more play action. Even in my, my, you know, my brain, I remembered it be more play action, but it wasn't as much as I thought. And that was watching it was, man, it's just like everything's sound. We, we talk about sound offenses. These are good concepts. And Mac Jones is getting the ball in the right place. So you have to credit him. But he's not getting the, the easy cheapies. Like he's not going to RPOs every play. He's not running nakeds every play. He actually has to progress on this stuff. But they made it to his strengths. It, it's a traditional, not traditional, but it's a cross progression reads on a lot of stuff. Left to right, right to left. I'm not saying they're like making it easier, but they're like making it so it's like consistent on every play for Mac Jones. Going like, okay, left to right. Okay, boom, check it down. Right to left, hit the backside dig. Okay, like everything kind of comes into his vision and he knows how to operate with that. But it's like, this is a good mixture of, of vets. They got some cool pieces on the outside, but the old line's nice. The running game's really good. Running that eye formation stuff's really nice. I really do what they're doing out. They're doing like split back eye formation stuff, kind of like the 49ers do, but the Patriots have their version of it, which is, it's kind of cool, but it's, that's exactly what you want with a quarterback. He has guys he can trust that can win against man coverage so he can throw it to a spot. It's not like he has to hold onto the ball. And, uh, and then and just like, is Hunter Henry going to win? No, Hunter Henry is going to win. Kendrick Bohr is going to win on third down. Like that's what they can assume, which is nice. And having good protection and good sound plans. It's like, it's really what you want to see with a, with a young quarterback. And it makes sense that they rode with him. They're like, hey, he's going to have some, take some lumps early on. He might not look always perfect, but you can see where the dividends are paying off right now because he's gaining confidence when the O-line was hurt and now it's getting healthy. And now it's like, wow, it's, it's kind of cool seeing it just keep me tweaked and tweaked and tweaked every week. So if you look at it, they're third in the NFL in the usage of 21 personnel behind only the Niners, who used it on 36% of their snaps, by the way, and the Ravens, which the Niners and the Ravens are kind of their own little family. It's been cool, going back to the Niners for a second, it's been cool to watch the Niners and the Ravens offenses converge a little bit because when it was so much more zone runs, they they weren't from the same family and they've kind of married together in a way. So those two are kind of on their own, right? But then you have New England, and number three, I mean, they're using a fullback in almost a quarter of their plays. And that physicality aspect of their game, and just, it's not just putting bigger bodies on the field. The Again, the layers of complexity you add with a fullback out there, just how many different running plays you can use yes. is huge. And they run everything. You talk about, we talk about with the Eagles, we talked about it with Trent Williams. When you can have your big guys get on the move and do work, that's what Trent Brown has given them now. Him being oh, back, hit. The way he plays in space at 380 pounds, crazy. Like, absolutely crazy. So the run game and just being able to lean on that has been huge, right? It makes total sense to give your quarterback, your young quarterback, a run game. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what they've done. And I think, like you said, they give him answers. Like, there's always an answer out there. And it's from a few different things. He always has a check down. He always has something built in. Like there's always a place for him to go with the ball, which sounds simple is not the case with a lot of NFL offenses. Yeah. Like yeah. is definitely it's not the case. It's stark when you see it not happen. <laughs> go watch the Bears play. Go 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 watch the Bears play and go watch some of the shit that Justin Fields had to deal with this year and tell me that that's a normal thing. And then to me, it's how precise it all is. Yep. And their spacing on offense is one of the reasons that he has answers. Because mm-hmm. if, all right, if X, then Y. Right, Because if I'm going to have my outside receiver hugging the sideline in order to get that corner out of there, then I'm going to be able to have this little stick to Hunter yep. Henry because it's open. 
because yep. they're space created. If you watch how far apart some of those guys are in some of those moments, there's a perfect example in the Atlanta game where Kendrick Bourne is hugging the sideline and they, he hits Hunter Henry on a little stick and there's just so much space for him to work mm-hmm. with. So when you're moving from one to two, from one to two, and you're going through those progressions, having those easy answers by virtue of spacing is really important for a young quarterback because he knows where guys are going to be. And exactly. his ability to know where guys are going to be allows him to process and work as fast as he is right now. So it yes. just, it's not the craziest shit in the world, right? Like they're not revolutionizing yeah. anything. It's just the soundest football imaginable. Exactly. I was going to say the, uh, the good spacing from the receivers is where the comparisons between the Ravens and the Patriots offense ends <laughs> because like you want to make a hard on a quarterback. You're exactly right. You're, you're throwing, you can't see everything in, in the pocket. It, it, you're assuming a lot and the best ones just are, you know, phenomenal. They're just unbelievable how they are able to do this, but that's because you rep it. You get a feel for each other. You're going, Hey, uh, when I'm at this step, this guy's going to be here. I throw it to this spot against this coverage. And that's where I'm going to hit him. And exactly what you said, when you can get the back out, now, protection. There's so many times backs get hung up in protection because they have no idea what they're doing. Either the O-line coach hasn't coached into them. The running back coach is just like, hey, let's, let's worry about ball control and fumbling as opposed to actually pass protection. You never know with the team. So it's getting the back out on all those plays because they have a sound protection scheme. It just speaks to their coaches. And like you said, it's like those concepts are sound now. Now it creates a true high-low or a true three-level read for, for Mac Jones. And if it's going to be consistent where everyone's drilled <laughs> to know exactly where they're going to be, it's pretty nice for a quarterback to he has, he has trust. He has trust in his teammates and he has trust in the scheme. I think that's the best way to put it. There are stories, like notorious stories about Sean Payton when it comes to details about spacing, about alignments, oh. about receivers split with and all that other stuff. And one of the reasons for that is they had a quarterback who at times literally couldn't see. Yeah, there were there were moments where Breeze and his stature in the pocket, he would have to make throws where he could not physically see the receiver in some situations. But because he knew exactly where he was going to be, he felt comfortable throwing balls in those moments. So that's that's why, like, if you know exactly where guys are going to be on the case of any individual play, it just helps you process the game so much cleaner. And that's already a strength of his. And now you only add to it by virtue of the way the offense has been built. So again, not the craziest thing in the world, a game I'm really excited to watch like them playing the Titans. Like it's that the Titans off or defense has been very sound. You know, they've been able to just really slow teams down by virtue of again, just being in the right spots. It's almost like the defensive version of what the Patriots offense looks like right now, where it's like, it's not the craziest thing in the world, but it's like, we're doing, we're in the right spots all the time. So that matchup curious to watch it. I mean, it's not thrilling. It's it's not going to be one of these offenses where you're watching Justin Herbert. It's like, holy shit, every 10 seconds. But if you like football done right, that's exactly what the Patriots offense looks like right now. Brutally efficient. Yes. This is brutally efficient. Yeah, it can be beautiful sometimes. It really can. All right. It's time for this week's pick segment. Let's get to Shield. All right. It's time now for this week's pick segment. You guys just can't seem to get this right. So two weeks ago, after getting going, both of you going two and one, and then losing your lukewarm locks, both of you went one and two last week, but got your lukewarm locks correct. Yep. So that means you each gained three points. So Nate, for the third straight week, you have made up no ground. Sheil is winning this twenty-two and a half to seventeen and a half. Sheil, how are you feeling about this right now? Because I'm- you got by by the skin of your teeth on that lock on Sunday night. 
Yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin, let me know what you want. You know, beer. But I mean, I know this isn't ethically journalistically, but uh, you see, you would have thought I had a million dollars on that game or something. The way I was sweating here uh, watching that Steelers game, I thought it was over. They go down by two touchdowns. I'm going shoot. You know, I'm like, I had a thought. I was like, maybe I can get out in, out in front of this. I'll uh, text Robert and be like, all right, I'll put some French fries on a sandwich or something. You know, the Steelers well, just to try to be preemptive so that you can't make me do something. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to do this week. So uh, they saved me, Mike Tomlin. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not feeling great to answer your question. Yeah, the confidence I think was at an all-time low uh, last week. It doesn't feel that much better this week, but we'll say I do feel better about this week's games than I did about uh, last week's games. Uh, the famous last words. Famous <laughs> last words. All right, Nate. I believe that you're kicking us off again, right? Because you guys have tied every single time since the last time that you won. Just real yep. champions over here. It's great. I know. It's great. We just keep having every hole. Uh, but yeah, the it, it was I, I, I flipped it with you like I got my lukewarm lock out of the way and it was a great yeah. Sunday. I've, I've never been in a better mood on a Sunday night show. It's been it's been awesome. And I think Robert could tell that how excited I was to do that show. And yeah, but so you you God, I thought you're gonna have that towel out again. I thought that I was getting ready for the towel for the whole show again. I was ready for it. <laughs> I, I'm glad I didn't text you or rub it in, but I'll start us off. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks minus two and a half at the Colts. And this is not that I just don't like what the Colts are doing. I just think the Bucks got their teeth kicked in for a couple of weeks, not teeth kicked in, but you know, got a little cold water thrown on them and seeing how they played on Monday night. It's like, Oh yeah, this team's good. And going against a Colts team that I think they can get after. I mean, I, I really do. I think the Bucks O line is, I mean, really is the top unit. I think it is right now in the NFL. With Tom Brady playing at a high level, he is. I think how this Colts team, they're going to run a little soft coverages. They have been mixing up a lot more, a lot more than compared to last year. Uh, mixing up some of the stuff they do, but that's it's Tom Brady still. It's not some rookie quarterback. It's not you know Josh Allen trying to figure out what they're doing right now. It's a, a really, really good offense that's playing really how they played on Monday night was pretty pretty impressive, especially some of the drives early on. Um, also on the flip side, I think this Bucks defense, yeah, I, I'm not like really fully, fully thousand percent sold on everything they do, but it's still a good unit and they still have strengths and they still have good players that do good things. And they're going against a Colts offense that yes, they can run the ball, but what do the Bucks do really well is defend the run. Maybe not to the extent they have the last two years, but they still have that front up there. So I think it's a good matchup for the Bucks. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm actually really excited to see this game. It's in Indy. I'm not a real big fan of taking home, home or I'm say road favorites, but it's under a field goal. I'm going to go Bucks minus two and a half. A lot of things to watch in this game. You mentioned yeah. the Bucks offensive line. Ali Marpet left Monday night's game with an oblique injury. No clarity yeah. about whether he's going to play this week. Vitave is also questionable for this game. You're going against a rushing offense that's dominating people right now. So that's something to yeah. keep an eye on. Nate, I wanted to find an element of this game to dig into uh, on our show earlier today. on one of the segments, and I couldn't land on anything specific. I'm just excited about the game in general. You know, yeah. the Colts defense has looked a lot better. The Bucks offense really seemed to just start clicking again with Gronk and Godwin back out there last week. The Colts are now ninth in, in defensive DVOA, 20th against the pass. I mean, that's a little bit skewed when you think about what you really want, and how you want that to be comprised. But this is just one of those games where it's like, all right, like, what are the Colts? Like, are they going to be a team that makes the playoffs in the AFC? Like, are they ready to kind of play with the big boys here? Is the game against the Bills a one-week fluke? So I didn't know what specifically I wanted to drill down on, but I know I'm going to be locked into this game. That's exactly it. I, I really want to see what the Colts' defense throws at Brady. Like, yes. that is – I'm very – because 
to be a real true, true, I mean, not just a playoff team, but a true, make some noise in the playoffs. It's you're going to face quarterbacks, Like You're going to face stud star quarterbacks week, 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 like four straight weeks, make this a Super Bowl. But it's, I want to see what they do against that. I know I'm not trying to like discredit Josh Allen, not saying he's a late quarterback. Don't Bills fans don't jump down my throat. I'm just saying, <laughs> listen, they're probably a little quieter these days than they've been oh, recently. <laughs> you Rust Belt fans, man, you <laughs> it's, but anyways, it's, but with the Bills, or, or, I'm sorry, with the Colts, I, I just want to see, I want to see what this kind of what they keep doing on defense. I really, this offense, I kind of see their identity. I mean, I think we all do. It's Jonathan Taylor, and then we have a great role players all around that. It's that's what it is. And Carson Wentz is he still has his befuddling plays, but okay, they've honed in on maybe limiting those. Maybe not so many RPOs that maybe they're trying to get him some cheap throws early and not early on and making it more one to two. Let's not make a mistake. So that's really what I want to see is like if they can continue what they showed last week, or is this just going to be another little blip up and then they blip back down? I want to see consistency out of the Colts, but I just want to see the Bucks. I, I trust the Bucks already. I, I know this offense can put up points, and but. Hey, you know, you you did have a two-game losing streak. You had a nice game on Monday night against the zombie Giants. So we'll see this Col- a feisty Colts team, what they do on offense. All right, Shiel, what's your first one? What do you got for me? Well, if you notice, I was kind of quiet over here. I was I trying know. not to have an expression on my face. I think this has happened one time before uh, this season. I'm on the same side as Nate. Yeah. My first pick right here is Bucks. Now, Nate, it has moved. I checked right before we signed on. Oh. We don't get that extra half point. Bump. Is it three now? It's three. So ah. hopefully, you know, maybe it'll go back to two and a half if this is a game you like. Because I loved it at two and a half. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, give that to me. Yeah. Three, it's a little bit tougher. I mean, you guys just broke it all down. So I, I didn't want to uh, <laughs> interrupt there. But I mean, the, a couple the Colts, my thing with the Colts, and I feel like, listen, I, I've lost on them probably a lot this season their plan a is really good if they can just push you around and have a game like last week where jonathan taylor's running all over you and they're playing sound defense and they're turning the ball over like uh, they can play with anyone i don't think they have much of a plan b you know let's say it's a game where the run game's not working Carson Wentz has averaged under six yards per attempt in four of his last five games. I, I mean, so yeah, yeah, they're not asking him a lot to, to do a lot, yeah. even when he's being asked to do something like it's okay. He's not turning the ball over. Um, you know, he's had some plays where you look at it and say, all right, that could have been a turnover. I thought he was pretty clean last week. He had the great scramble, but it's really a type of offense where it's like, don't turn the ball over. Give us like five plays, whether it's with your arm or with your legs every week, and we can win that way. And I'm not knocking them for that. You know, that's a fine formula. It's worked for them. J- Taylor's been amazing, uh, no doubt about it. But I feel like going up against this Bucks team that really, like, this is time. This is time to get going. We saw it last year. Get everything together. Go win that one seed. Get the buy in the first round. Uh, have home field throughout. And you're getting it at a field goal uh, or less. And you're getting healthier. They got Murphy bunting back last week Gronk played last week and so um you know it's not quite a pick em, but you know at the same time when you're getting three or under with the Bucks uh I like Tampa in this game yeah I it's hard to argue with that I just think that the Bucks are truly one of those elite elite teams and I don't think the Colts are in that tier I mean for as, as fun as they've been for as interesting as they've been that's kind of where I am Nate I think that that's yeah. the tone of our conversations around the Colts they're interesting I don't think they're dangerous and yes. when you are playing against this Bucks team that absolutely is, that's where that little gap exists. All right, Nate, what's your second one? Second one, and this line also moved. It started at five and a half. It is now at six and a half. I'm going to go with the Patriots at home hosting the Titans. And loved it at five and a half. It's still at six and a half, so we're under a touchdown. Um, like I said, Patriots at home. 
I mean, this unit, this defensive unit for the Patriots is so fun to watch. Just uh, how they can mix it up, how they can get into pressures, how they can run man, they can run soft zone. All the stuff we've seen from Belichick over the years, but just, you know, just a real high version of it or a high level version of it. Uh, on the flip side, on the offense, they are a little more like it's a high spread for what this offense really is. They are more of a methodical, efficient offense than an explosive one. So it's kind of hard for them to really blow the doors off a team. They have a couple times this year, but it's not built that way. They're not built like the Chiefs that are just full court press the entire game. They're more of like an anaconda that just going to strangle it out of you. And but I <laughs> but under a touchdown, I do like that. I think this Titans team with all the banged up injuries, it, it, they're finding their identity on offense. Not finding, but just trying to do something on offense and, and really with Tannehill all being put on him. This is not the matchup I want for a Tannehill heavy game. And that, you know, this is a Patriots defense that wants that. Um, so I think the one way they could Titans could find a way is yeah. Okay. AJ Brown's healthy, but he has banged up ribs. He was out twice on Sunday. He took himself out twice and not took himself out. I'm not, he was hurt. <laughs> so not trying to dog him, <laughs> but you know, Julio Jones is hamstring. Derrick Henry's out like all that kind of stuff. It's just a team that kind of has, you know, they're they're in the deep end right now on offense. And then defense, I do like what they do up front. But this Patriots offense can get after you in a few ways. They have a great run game. If they're going to keep you in base, hey, we've talked about it. The tit- that Titans front, like, yes, they have a really good up front four guys. And their linebackers are really fun, run- hair-on-fire guys. But those are light, small bodies. And we're going to see an I-formation Patriots team just pounding away at them over and over and over. And you got to see how much that can hold up for four quarters. And it's at home. So you might have some little some headset issues. You never know. So I'm going to go with the Patriots <laughs> minus six and a half. <laughs> Brable will be ready for that. He'll be. I know, for right? That. All right, Chio. What's your second one? All right, I don't think I I don't think I've picked them to, uh, all year. This is the uh, this is the the hometown team. I'm I'm going with the Eagles hey. minus three and a half uh, against the Giants. And to me, this is you know when we talk about picking these games, I don't. It's kind of like. It's not quite an emotional hedge, but it's like either I get the pick right or I get the, or I'm going to be able to crush the Eagles next week. So that's like, you know, to me in the way my mind operates, like that's yep. really uh, a win-win. Uh, a I win-win nodded game. my head when you said that. I was like, yep, I get it. <laughs> yeah, you were nodding. Yeah, good good call. But I mean, really just matchup wise, if you look at the line of scrimmage on, on both sides of the ball, I mean, the Eagles offensive line has been so unbelievable. Good. They go up against the best run defense in the NFL last week and they run um, all over over them and then defensively their pass rush against this Giants offensive line which was just a complete disaster on Monday night they go from Jason Garrett to Freddie Kitchens in a short week and also I think the Eagles offense has sort of that Ravens thing going for them where if you're like preparing for them on a short week and now it's like shoot are they going to be is it going to be the shotgun the zone read runs and the option runs and the, the, you know the different things they were doing uh, last week with Jalen Hirsch are they going to be more under center this week what are we going to kind of get from their run game I mean the first six weeks of the season I'm going how is this not a more diverse run game with Jalen Hurts how are they playing this way uh, eventually they change like this dramatic shift <laughs> who knows what Richard Colbs. midway yeah midway <laughs> <laughs> midway to the season this dramatic shift and now it's just a totally different offense where it's just run 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 lean into the offensive line hit some chunk plays downfield Jalen Hurts should get credit for not turning the ball over I mean I, that was a real concern of mine coming into the season whether it was fumbles uh, or interceptions he hasn't done that and so uh, it's an NFC East game you never know things can get weird but um, you know just the vibes around that Giants team, what you saw Monday night, changing the coordinator and just as bad as they are up front on both sides. Uh, I like the Eagles in this game. 
you are not worried about Freddie Kitchens and about what he might dial up against you here. That's what that, you're saying to me. Well, yeah, I was going to say, no, that I, I was going to make a mean joke about how uh, the line moved once they, you know, but th- that would be rude. I, Jay, I don't need to pile on uh, to Jason Garrett here, but yeah, I guess I don't think it's going to make a major difference um, when you can't block anyone. I don't think it's going to make a, a major difference either way. Could be wrong. They do still have, their weapons are healthy, I will say. So if it gets into a weird game where you're not getting to Daniel Jones and some of those guys are making plays, uh, who knows? It could go that way. When you're Joe Judge and your entire appeal as a head coach is to situate everything, it's to get your staff right, it's to be a master situationally, that's the, that is the entire argument for hiring someone of his background in that sort of gig. The Jason Garrett thing was doomed from the start. Yeah. Like in what way was Jason Garrett an appealing offensive mind and play caller in 2021? Jason Garrett, one of the reasons the Cowboys started excelling offensively is because he took his thumb off of what they were doing over the last couple of years there, giving more of the reins to Kellen Moore. I still think that the year in 2019 where they were the, one of the most efficient offenses in the league, he held them back because of the stuff, a few of the things that they wanted to do. This now you're seeing the full Kellen Moore vision in effect. To think that this guy who had not call plays regularly or effectively in years was going to come in and be the answer for you as a play caller. I guess part of the appeal is that it's a high floor move. We're like, oh, he's been around. You know, this is something where it's going to be a safe choice. He's a head coach that can give me advice about how to do this. It never made sense to me. And the fact that it came to this sort of end is one of the least surprising elements of a quarterback play caller, head coach play caller relationship in the entire NFL. Like three times they kind of like took took play calling and play design range from him. It was like Bill yes. Callahan, then Scott Scott Linehan, and then it was like Kellen Moore. It was like, but rather than go back to Jason Garrett, we got to make sure we get another guy. <laughs> and so that kind of is very telling when you have it. And then you're hiring him to, like you just said play design and it's it's him it's all on him joe judge isn't going to come into that door and go like hey on third down they like to do this and maybe you should you know run sale there that's not joe judge's probably way i'm assuming you never know with head coaches once they get the power they, they might become micromanagers with that stuff but you can see as dan uh, campbell actually, wrestles the play sheet away from anthony win <laughs> bootleg duo um but no it's uh but i think i was talking to oh who was i talking to uh seth galena and we, we were talking about how some of these old school guys, how they get the gimme throws is so different than maybe some of the newer guys, newer play callers do, new new age thinking offenses do. Like his way of getting a gimme throw is running slant flat or two, you know, two slants. And it's like, yeah, maybe back in the day, quick game was good. But guess what? Defenses love that now. They love if you just want to dial up quick game to get the gimme throw. They're going to play downhill on it. So it's, you know, he just didn't have that modern to his game that's yeah i think it was doomed from the start i completely agree with you and the, and the game management stuff with judge is just a disaster i mean robert yeah. to what you were speaking of, like this is the if you're this kind of head coach that's the stuff you you need to be able to i mean look at john harbaugh i mean he's mastering that yes uh, perfect example every, yes. every yes. week and you know during uh, i don't know if you guys were watching the manning cast like those two guys eli and peyton have 33 years combined playing in the NFL. They grew up in a football family. There were at least three times during that broadcast where they're going, I don't know what they're doing here. You know, whether it was the end of the first half or whatever. And so it's just like, it's hard to see any area where kind of the coaching staff is giving them an edge right now. 
It's interesting that you say that, Nate, about the old school and new school coordinators. I was talking to a defensive coordinator this week, and we were talking about just the changes you've had to make there's the way you see defense. And he was talking about how some of these older school offensive coaches, there's play callers. They call plays. Like, that's what they do. A lot of the newer guys, you think you hear this about McVay all the time, and a lot of the, the really good offensive coaches in the league, they understand the ins and outs of every defensive rule. You yep. can't just go out there and run plays anymore. And I think yes. the end of the McCarthy era in Green Bay was really similar to this, where yes. you're just running plays. And that's yep. exactly what it felt like with watching Jason Garrett with the Giants. When you are a play caller that was doing your best work or your last work eight, ten years ago, it's a version of the NFL when it comes to those levers and those dials that no longer exists. Yeah, it, it's it's checkers and chess, not in the sense, oh, it's simple and complex. More in checkers, every piece is worth the same. Chess, you have a queen, you have a rook, you have a knight. That is what good player callers understand. They're like, well, my queen can do this. And it seems like a lot. I mean, just look at the usage of Kadarius Tony. I mean, that's all you need to know. It's like, why are you not finding ways, yeah. creative ways, any way possible? Get this guy the ball. He's and terrifying. Like, no. Yeah. If you're, right? if, it's if terrifying. you're the opposing defensive coordinator, you're just like, You shoot. see 89 get the ball. It's like, oh my <laughs> God. Like, yeah, you're, I mean, he just he moves like Gumby, but it's like, nah, yeah. nah, let's put him on the outside because we have a vet that we want to put yeah. in a slot. And it's like, mm. Yeah, that's just old school thinking, not understanding your your advantages. All right, Nate, what's your last one here, bud? Last one, I am. Yeah, I, I think I, I might have to like look into the shield, the shield method. He, we've done this a little couple times, but I'm going to go with the Steelers plus four and a half at the Bengals. I, I I love the good vibes of the terrible towel. I don't know, not really, not at all, not at all. I'm, I'm betting on Big Ben right now. So, but Steelers plus four and a half at the Bengals. I think this is going to be an ugly fist fight i think this game is gonna be brutal like i really do old school afc north game i i watching this Bengals team we alluded to it a little bit on sunday robert is that it's maybe a different flavor than i was expecting i think their strengths are really they they have a good under center run run the ball or under under center run game and their defense is just very smart and makes it really hard on offenses they just have a lot of smart sound players and they don't get in bad spots are they the most athletic team no uh but you know, they're, the, the Steelers team is not really a team that's going to threaten you deep. Uh, it, they want stuff short and intermediate for Big Ben and his, you know, popcorn arm. And I do think, like, uh, but what this, uh, the Steelers team is that on the flip side is they've taken the PO out of the RPOs, even though they got a little bit too on Sunday, which was just, oh my God, what are you doing? But I do think some more Matt Canada influence has come on, some of the Canuck influence. And I just think with some of that is, I think it's going to be a tight game. And it's plus four and a half, a divisional battle. I think these teams are more... I'm hoping for the health for the Steelers defense as well. Uh, TJ Watt coming back would be huge. We forget that how banged up that Steelers defense was on Sunday. So I, I, that's why I'm looking at it. I think this is just going to be an ugly game. The Bengals still might win, but I do think the Steelers cover and keep it close. And it's just going to be an ugly, low scoring game. I'm actually, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. It almost really feels like a loser leaves town match. I want to watch the Bengals this week. I mean, we talked yeah. about how the Raiders, the vibes of that game and just the trajectory of their offense it's not surprising to see them kind of the wheels fall off near the end of that game. The under center run game point is a really good one. Mixon had 30 carries last week. Yeah. And at the beginning of the season, I was wondering if they were leaning on the run game more because they're really run heavy early in the year. And I was wondering, is that because they're not sure about Burroughs' health? And then they started throwing a little bit more, but that also coincided with Mixon being dinged up. 
So now they're kind of transitioning back into that run-heavy approach, and they always wanted to do that. Like last year, they didn't have that under-center run game aspect of their offense because they were trying to spread things out for Burrow. Mm -hmm. So that was always a conscious choice from them coming into this year, and we see how run games can kind of pick up steam as the season goes along. And their offensive line, the fact that it stayed intact is really important. They're gaining yes. continuity. Like Quentin Spain is playing well. So it's an interesting kind of wrinkle to this team that maybe we weren't thinking about in the first month of the year where we were excited about Burrow and Chase. It's like, yeah, my, by Thanksgiving, maybe their run game will have clicked. And it really does feel like that's happening. So just adds an interesting wrinkle. It's another layer yeah. to them that I didn't necessarily expect. Completely agree. All right. What's up, Shio? What's your third one? Now, Nate, are you going lock on any of... Uh, I am you? not. I am Wow. Singles and bunting. We're playing that. small ball this week. We're playing small right, ball well, this week. Well, here's the deal. I uh, that's my last pick. Same side. Steelers oh. plus four and a half. Now I have to decide. Do I want to be aggressive? You know, I rip these coaches every week. They're they're punting on fourth and one. They're kicking 57 yard field goals. Nate's not locking up the Steelers. Mike Tomlin. How good do I feel about it? Let's give it the lukewarm lock of the week. Steelers <laughs> plus four and a half. Let's try to get the plus two on Nate if we win. Let's this go, Bengals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I lose money. <laughs> I, I was surprised by this line. I couldn't believe yeah. this wasn't a field goal game. I mean, I too. I thought is there saying. really a lot separating these two teams? Uh, you know, yeah. and again, I, I know I mention it every single week here but mike tomlin as an underdog is has been like the best bet you can make 40 20 and 2 uh against the spread as an underdog in his career which is crazy you know 670 uh winning for 667 winning percentage and so i looked at that steelers offense last week and i'm not going to tell you they're juggernauts but it's probably the best they've looked all season yeah. i know statistically uh certainly it was and then defensively we'll see if they get these guys back watt fitzpatrick hayden but man if they get even just one of those guys back if they get two of those guys back uh they're going to be a totally different defense and even if you just look at stuff you know dvoa these are the 21st and 22nd teams uh in the entire nfl so uh, that bengals team you know last week was sort of a weird game it wasn't like they were blowing the raiders out i mean that was what a field goal game with like 11 minutes left or something i feel like it was a lot of burrow kind of making these pinpoint accuracy throws on third down extending these drives there was nothing explosive they didn't have a completion longer than 17 yards uh last week he averaged 5.1 yards per attempt he sacked three time so I watched the bank like I, I'm a I'm a big Burrow guy like I love I'm probably higher on Burrow um, than, than both of you guys but I watched that Bengals offense week to week and always most weeks it leaves me wanting more and yeah, so I think um, that's fair you know there, there are certain fair. weeks like uh, that Ravens game where I'm like yes alright this is what it can look like but then the majority of the weeks I'm going shoot I, I feel like there should be more to this than what I'm seeing right now and they had like a fourth and one and I think they ran like a, a jet sweep to Jamar Chase that had no chance it gets dropped for they two keep yards giving him handoffs he's yeah. not a handoff guy he's not a handoff he wasn't <laughs> in college right. he's not now <laughs> so there's little stuff like that that i feel like pops up every week that just kind of irks me and annoys me um about this team so i've got the steelers plus four and a half i'm making wow. it my lukewarm lock of the week there's no way this is going to work out for me bengals fans <laughs> congratulations uh, so nate and i are on the same side of two of these so if you really want to be smart take the bengals minus four and a half and the Colts <laughs> plus three and enjoy yep. some uh uh, you know, some, some holiday, uh, money, uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs>
Guys, thank you very much for doing this. I know it's a busy week with the holiday. Appreciate you guys taking the time out to do it. Appreciate all of you for listening. Please enjoy your weekend. This time is a strange thing right now because we're actually recording this early in the week, but it's coming out on Friday. So please enjoy your weekend. Please still take advantage of our Black Friday sale at The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show. A dollar a month for the next 12 months. I'm telling you, you guys really want to jump on this if you can. We'll be back on Sunday nights with me and Nate. Until then, talk to you guys soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.